You're listening to the Full and Thriving Podcast, a place where courageous women come to break free from food obsession, heal their relationship with their body, and strive to live a life that's present, lighthearted, and meaningful. If you're listening, my wish is that this podcast serves as a catalyst that inspires you to nourish your body, nurture your mind, and energize your spirit. I'm your host, Meg McCabe, a certified life coach and eating disorder recovery coach with a PhD in having a good time. Just kidding about that last part. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hey friends, before the next episode, I wanted to share a bit more about my virtual recovery community called The Recovery Collective. For less than a cost of one therapy session per month, our members get access to workshops, group coaching with me, cook-alongs, yoga, recipes, meditations, and even a private Facebook community. It is seriously the most fun community in the eating disorder recovery world right now. If your eating disorder is making you feel isolated and alone, this place will lift your spirits and bring you the connection you're looking for. So I ask you to join all of us. Go to recoverycollective.mykajabi.com or you can check out the link in the show notes. I look forward to seeing you inside the collective and enjoy this next episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Full and Thriving Podcast. I am very excited today because I am bringing to you a solo episode about something that's very important in the recovery process for many people, and that is the conversation about meal plans. When is the right time to be on a meal plan? What is the ideal use of a meal plan? How do I get a meal plan? What about intuitive eating? How does that come into play? So today's episode is all about that. And as a coach, I typically work in tandem with dietitians to make sure that my clients are reaching their nutritional goals, their variety goals, their intake goals, all of that. And what I usually do is I lean on the dietitian for their expertise when creating the meal plan. What I typically do is support my client in completing the meal plan and setting goals on how to best do that and brainstorming different ways they can reach the goals of the meal plan. But that is kind of a different discussion. I wanted to start from square one for those of you who might be new to recovery what is a meal plan anyway? A meal plan is basically a daily plan of what you're going to eat each day in order to satisfy your caloric and nutritional goals. And your average recovery meal plan typically outlines three meals and three snacks per day, or at least that is what you're aiming for. Usually the dietitian will prescribe very specific meals if that's what the the client needs and they'll also make sure to add a variety of macronutrients in each meal and each snack when i was recovering i did not use a meal plan i have a pretty 
I don't know, spontaneous personality and my eating disorder manifested into a very chaotic eating disorder. So my dietitian tried to put me on a meal plan and it actually didn't really work for me. I totally ignored it once I walked out the door. I think part of that was because I'm more of a type B personality where structure is not something I, at least my brain likes (laughs) as much as I think probably does like some amount of structure, but also I think the dietitian was not ED specialized and she just gave me something that was way too out of my reality as far as what I could eat every day. She just kind of put me on a rocket ship to the moon and said, eat all of this food all of the sudden. It wasn't a gradual thing and that was really discouraging at first. So I think it was a combination of personality type and also just the dietitian I worked with, which made me not use a meal plan. So I think personally, when I work with clients one-on-one, if they have very restrictive disorders, so anorexia or orthorexia or any subtype of those, usually a meal plan is really great. Um, And I'm going to go into why that is now. But again, meal plans are not for everyone and they're definitely not appropriate for every case in recovery. I also wanted to start by saying that when I am talking about meal plans, do not get angry (laughs) because I think some people confuse meal plans with dieting and like a diet plan. And that is not the case at all. For instance, It is easy to confuse a serving size with a portion size. And serving size is really what diet culture likes to focus on. And all your serving size is, is really the amount that the food production company has decided to put on the back of the label. That's it. It's just the serving size is what they use to break down all of the little nuances of the food label. So the serving size says this much of this food has this many calories, this many grams of fat, this much protein, etc. A portion is the amount of food you choose to eat in one sitting. So a dietitian isn't going to be telling you you should have this serving size. They'll give you a minimum but their focus will really be on making sure you have an adequate portion, which is just the amount of food you need to eat in that meal. So it might actually be two and a half serving sizes of whatever that food is. And so I think people get very sensitive, especially if they've been trapped in diet culture for a really long time to hear the idea of a meal plan because their wires get a little crossed and they think it's a diet plan and we couldn't be more different from that. So a meal plan is not a diet. Diets are created with the intention of weight loss. Typically, a meal plan is typically created to help a person eat enough food for their body consistently and make sure they're getting the proper nourishment, aka nutrients necessary for their body to function optimally. Meal plans are also used to help with weight restoration if that's needed. And especially if you have a restrictive disorder, do not think you can easily go from anorexia to intuitive eating. 
I find that going from anorexia to intuitive eating is nearly impossible. And usually a meal plan helps to bridge the gap between the two. So meal plans do work with any diagnosis, although I personally believe that they work best with individuals who typically have a very rigid relationship with food. So if you have a very restrictive eating disorder and a type A personality, so that's a personality that's analytical, ambitious, rule-following, self-critical, maybe a little competitive, this might be something you want to think about. I think meal plans can really work for people with that personality type. Others, like type B personalities, might actually feel a little constrained in that type of a plan. So if you're kind of more of a creative, chaotic type personality, non-competitive, I don't know if a meal plan will work for you. And at the end of the day, it really depends on you as a person, not just whatever personality type you have. So I think it's worth giving it a shot if you're interested in trying a meal plan, but just know that sometimes meal plans can go in the opposite direction and people can end up being too rigid and too stuck on the meal plan and it can turn into a crutch. Ideally, the way I like to see meal plans work is that someone who feels safe with structure and control can kind of transfer the rigidity of their eating disorder and utilize that temperament towards perfecting and completing a meal plan. So you might be thinking, what are some signs that a meal plan is right for me? And thankfully, there is a whole list of these signs in the Eight Keys to Recovering from an Eating Disorder Workbook by Carolyn Costin, and I wanted to share some of those signs with you today. So I'm going to run through this list now. I want you to think about yourself when I am going through this list, and if you think you identify with any of these points, it might be worth trying a meal plan or asking a dietitian to help support you in that process. So the first sign that a meal plan is right for you is that you have no idea the amount of food you need. And I see this all the time because when we are stuck in dieting and diet culture, we are given so many mixed messages about how much we should be eating and when and, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the idea of a serving size can be really confusing because we think it's the same as a portion and it's not. So often people are stuck in this pattern of eating where they really have no idea how much they should be eating each day. So they're not connected to their body at all. They're not listening to their body's signals. And that is definitely sign number one. You just are totally lost. You don't know what a quote unquote normal amount of food is and you just need help in that department. The second sign is that you don't feel or trust your hunger and fullness signals. So again, usually if you have anorexia, 
there might be a point where your body just decides to stop giving you hunger signals because it's a waste of energy and it wants to allot that energy towards functions that your body really needs to survive. So often you lose your hunger signals in recovery and also you might not necessarily have fullness signals yet or those might get confusing because you're eating very little and getting very full very quickly. So another sign that a meal plan is right for you is that you do not feel or trust your hunger and fullness signals. It's pretty clear that not Feeling your hunger and fullness signals means the physical sensations in your body. But trusting your hunger and fullness signals is a totally different ball game, and that's also very challenging. So you might actually be getting your hunger and fullness signals, but you're not responding to them properly out of some sort of fear. So maybe it's the fear that if you respond to your hunger signal, you're just going to keep eating endlessly and never stop. So you just don't want to listen to that because you're afraid of facing that fear. The third sign that a meal plan might be right for you is that you feel safer knowing ahead of time what you need. So this kind of comes down to the control aspect that many of us live with if we have eating disorders, which is just comfort in certainty. If you like, if you're the kind of person who likes to know what's coming up, especially if food causes you anxiety in the first place, it can be really helpful to have a meal plan because you get a sense of safety knowing ahead of time what's coming up. The fourth sign that a meal plan might be right for you is that you need to restore weight and you want to do this in a slow and steady way. So again, There's that fear of potentially overeating or eating too much or gaining too much weight too soon. And so I find a meal plan is helpful if your goal is to restore weight and you want to do it in a more controlled and safe way. And by safe, I mean just you feel a little bit safer mentally. The fifth item on this list is that your anxiety and compulsivity make it difficult for you to make decisions in the moment. So I'm sure many of you can relate to the idea of walking into the kitchen at mealtime and just having no clue what you want to eat. And maybe you're overwhelmed and you spend way too much time making this decision and then you overthink it and then you end up with something you didn't even want or you ended up with something totally weird because that was all your eating disorder allowed you to eat. Um, So if that is you and you're having a hard time making decisions in the moment, the cool part about a meal plan is that all the decisions are already made for you. It's actually one thing off your plate. And I, that was a totally unintended pun, but it's something you don't have to worry about. And recovery is really hard. So if you're on a meal plan that works for you and you're managing a lot of emotions and dealing with maybe a lot of stress in the home, sometimes a meal plan is great because it takes out some of that anxiety around making decisions and you can even go on autopilot a little bit, which is kind of nice sometimes. 
The next sign that a meal plan might be right for you is that you work well with structure. You feel safe with structure. Um, Potentially you even thrive with living in a structured environment. So if you really like the predictability of doing the same things each day, you like to have your routines, I think a meal plan could really work for you. And then the final sign that a meal plan might be right for you is that you've tried recovering without a plan and it hasn't worked. And I've seen this quite often as well. Um, Sometimes we approach recovery and we can work really well without a plan for a while and then we swing back into this maybe use of behaviors or restriction or compensation and then we fall back into the old disordered patterns. Um, So again, if you have tried recovering without a plan and it hasn't worked before, a meal plan might be a good place for you to start. And there is no shame in trying to recover with a meal plan at least once or maybe even a few times. So that's the list of all of the signs a meal plan might be right for you. I just want you to remember that meal plans are very personalized to the person. And just because your friend is doing well on a meal plan doesn't mean that you will. So here are some best practices I want you to keep in mind if you do end up choosing that a meal plan is right for you. So first, you must utilize a eating disorder specialized dietitian to create your own unique plan. Please do not Google eating disorder recovery meal plans and just find one on the internet. It's really helpful to have a dietitian who can actually take into account your own dietary needs and also your height and weights in case you need to focus on weight restoration. So they can make all the fancy calculations about exactly how much you need to be eating from meal to meal. Best practice is that your meal plan was created by a dietitian for you. So I repeat, do not download anything off the internet that is meant to for universal use. Also, I highly advise against copying any what I eat in a day videos or posts on social media. The right food for you is going to be different than the right food for someone else. And you might actually need more food than that person in recovery we have no idea. So stay in your own lane and make sure that you have your own meal plan in place. Another best practice is that you must fully trust your team. You cannot take on a meal plan and think that you know better than your team or that you only partially trust your team. You must have the mindset that your dietitian, your coach, Anyone who's supporting you can be trusted 100% with their training and expertise and knowledge. 
So even though your eating disorder is telling you that you know better than they do or that you can't trust them, following a meal plan is a total act of trust in your team and you have to hand over all of your fear and worry to your team or at least crumple all your fear and worry up and throw it in the trash because meal plans are scary your ed is going to tell you not to follow them and the best practice is to really just trust your team and it might even be helpful to just intellectually and logically remind yourself that your team is highly trained they have years of experience in this field more importantly they themselves do not have eating disorders so they're looking at your nutrition from a lens of healing restoration and overall recovery where you might still be in the habit, even though you don't want to admit it, you might still be in the habit of looking at food through the lens of your eating disorder. So the eating disorder might be clouding your ability to make your own food decisions, which is why it's great to hand over that responsibility to your team so that they can make these decisions for you. The third best practice when it comes to being on a meal plan is that you must be honest with your team about what you're completing on the plan and what you're not. So you have to take advantage of those meetings with your dietitian and also your coach. You can't just go to your meetings and tell them that everything's working out great when you've actually skipped half of your snacks. You have to go to the meetings and say, you know, I'm having a hard time with my afternoon snack and I think this is why. Do you have any suggestions on how we can help me achieve this part of the meal plan? And that's going to be up to your team on what to decide, but your honesty is really important. I personally really like to have a good grasp on what my clients are eating day to day. So I usually recommend utilizing the app Recovery Record. And Recovery Record is amazing because my one-on-one clients can link to my account and we can together see the big picture on what they're eating day to day. So Recovery Record gives them the option of taking photos of their meals, tracking their emotions, writing comments, tracking their hunger and fullness, and whatever they do on the app is linked to my account on the app. So I can see the photos of what my clients are eating day to day. And that may feel very intimidating to some of you listening, but the beauty of it is that I can call their eating disorder out. So if they're telling me that they are completing their meal plan every day and then I see that their logs aren't matching up, I can approach them and use the log as my justification for why I do not think they are reaching their goals. Of course, I do this really gently. I'm not like going to get mad at any of my clients if they cannot reach their goals, but I do want to remind you again that 
usually my clients are eating with that eating disorder lens and sometimes they are unintentionally cutting down on portions or they are restricting certain food groups or they are using diet substitutes that they have potentially forgotten were diet substitutes. So I can look at their meal and say, what is this all about? Why do you always do this when the recovery choice would be to do this? So an example of that would be, why do you have pancakes without the syrup? The recovery choice would be to have the pancake with the syrup. Or maybe their dietitian has asked them to have one cup of pasta with their meal this week. And I can tell that they've had way less than one cup of pasta. I can say, hey, what's going on here? And so it's a really great way for the coach or the dietitian to communicate with their clients and we can have that honesty factor be prevalent throughout the journey. Again, best practice is that you must be honest with your team about what you're struggling with and what you're not. And I find Recovery Record can really help with that because otherwise we're just working on word of mouth in sessions and we all know that sometimes our eating disorders can cause us to lie to our team because we don't want to make a change or we're afraid of making a change. So honesty is super important. The next best practice is focus on completing the plan above all before you do any lofty, glamorous, fear food challenges. I know many of you find me off of YouTube or maybe other people's podcasts. And if you're in that world of Instagram and YouTube, you'll see that a lot of people do fear food challenges. And that's really exciting. But what's more exciting than that to your practitioners is that you're completing your meal plan first. So best practices, focus on completing the meal plan 100% before you do any big lofty challenges. And eventually what I love to see is when people can complete the meal plan and complete challenges totally separately in addition to that plan. Because if you're not in a strong place in your recovery and you're having a hard time completing the plan, if you do a big fear food challenge, that might cause you to compensate for the rest of the day. So that plan really needs to be a non-negotiable first. So those were my main best practices for those on meal plans. But I know many of you are asking, what about intuitive eating? And Intuitive eating, first of all, is one's ability to connect with their body when making food decisions. So intuitive eating is really a philosophy of eating that makes you the expert of your body and its hunger and fullness signals. So intuitive eating is actually the opposite of a diet or a meal plan. It doesn't have any guidelines or rules and usually it's considered the gold standard of eating because you're extremely connected to your body, you trust your body, and you're able to make decisions from a place of empowerment and nothing clouded by diet culture or this need to lose weight. 
Intuitive eating is a very high level skill, by the way. It's not something you can just jump right into if you've had an eating disorder. It can get it can take years to really build up to being an intuitive eater. So if you're on a meal plan and you are having trouble completing the plan, you are not at the point in which you are ready to start intuitive eating. Also, if you have not restored your hunger and fullness cues, you are not ready for intuitive eating. I think intuitive eating is so glamorized that we think it's something we can just jump into. But seriously, if you do not have your hunger cues or you're just not responsive to those, you are not at the point where you can be intuitive. Often I see eating disorders try to hijack the idea of intuitive eating so that it's another reason to restrict. And what I mean by that is you are a person who does not get hunger signals and so you're not hungry and your eating disorder says, oh, intuitively this must mean you shouldn't eat today when in reality a lot of recovery is doing the opposite of what feels intuitive at first. So there are many times in recovery where you have to unlearn that disordered intuition, which is to restrict and eat anyway. Whenever you have an active eating disorder and it somehow convinces you to restrict in the name of intuition, that is just your eating disorder gaslighting you 100%. That, my friends, is really the dark side of intuitive eating, and that is it can be used as something your eating disorder manipulates into thinking it's okay to restrict or even to work out or do any of your disordered behaviors. So you really have to become aware of that. Like I said, if you haven't restored your hunger and fullness cues completely or you can't even really complete your meal plan yet, you're probably not at a place where you can eat intuitively and that's totally okay. You will get there eventually. I want you to think of your meal plan as similar to learning how to play an instrument. I played the violin growing up, so this feels like a very natural comparison to me. I want you to think of the meal plan as your sheet music on the page. Anyone can look at that music and play those notes if you know how to play that instrument. So say we're all violinists and the song we have to play is Canon in D. All of our sheet music is going to look the same and if we play the basic notes, all of us are going to play the same song with a little variation, but pretty much it's all going to sound exactly the same. As you get better at playing the violin, you learn to play that same song, but you can add your own musicality to the song so that it has your own personal touch to it and your own personal style. That's what I want your meal plan to feel like. That's what the transition to intuitive eating feels like. The ideal meal plan arc (laughs) looks like this. So 
you get your meal plan from your dietitian and you do your best to complete it. If you cannot complete it, then you talk to your dietitian and brainstorm with them on ways to better meet your meal plan. Once you're comfortable on that and stabilized on that plan, your dietitian should continue to increase the plan in steady increments if that's what you need. And if you're still hungry on your plan, you need to use the honesty factor and let your dietitian know. And I know that's scary because that just means they're probably going to keep increasing the plan, but that is really the point. So once you're stable on this plan, just like the sheet music, you can start adding some recovery flair into it. So this might look like transitioning from measuring out all of your portions to self-serving your portions or letting someone in your family serve your portions for you and being honest with yourself and knowing that even though you're not measuring, you're still not undercutting those measurements. It might also look like eating outside of planned meals and snacks. So some recovery flair might be, okay, eating three meals and three snacks a day at the office, someone spontaneously offered me you know, this bag of chips, and I had that also in addition to the plan. More recovery flair could look like challenging more fear foods, letting go of the rigidity of timing and maybe being more fluid about when you can eat and more flexible about when that happens. And then, of course, flexibility when it comes of types of foods, the quote-unquote health of the food, and adding as much variety as you can. So that meal plan goes from a very cut and paste situation that's just, you know, it is what it is to something that has a lot of variety and fluidity and flexibility built in. And then once you're at that point, aka you've learned the music, you're adding your own artistic style to the song, that's when you're ready to spread your wings and fly and learn intuitive eating. But I hope what I just highlighted for you is that it's possible to learn intuitive eating within the framework of a meal plan for now. So you can start to make intuitive choices based on what your body really wants in the scope of a meal plan because eventually the meal plan isn't so prescriptive. It's more make sure you have carbs, fats, and veggies and carbs, fats, veggies, and protein in your dinner. Okay, intuitively, what kind of carbohydrate am I in the mood for? What kind of veggies am I in the mood for? And so you can really build up your intuition as you get stronger on the meal plan. So it's kind of fun as a coach. I love being able to see my clients transition from one phase to the next within the scope of the meal plan. And eventually, once they're really courageous and fearless, and really I think that fear comes from um, fear of their body changing, but once they can let go of that fear of gaining weight and they can let go of their intense need to control intuitive eating comes much more easily and they reach a point where they can trust their body and they have accepted their body and then they have that food freedom click into place. So that's really the ideal way I like to see 
meal plans work in the recovery story of an individual I'm working with. In conclusion, meal plans are often necessary in eating disorder recovery, and they can be a really powerful tool in bridging the gap between your eating disorder and learning intuitive eating. They're also a great way to hold yourself accountable to eating enough and learning how to incorporate variety from day to day and just relearning your relationship with food. They're also great for giving people in recovery a sense of stability, a sense of control and safety while heading towards recovery. So at the end of the day, if you think a meal plan is right for you, please consult with your dietitian because they will be the best qualified to help you out in getting a meal plan that works best for your own recovery journey. So I just wanted to thank all of you for listening today. I know that was a lot on meal plans and I know that not all of you really need a meal plan right now. Some of you might already be on your intuitive eating journey, but I sure do hope that you took something valuable from the episode today, no matter what part of your recovery journey you're at right now. I know that recovery can be really scary. I know that deciding to get help can be super intimidating, but I promise you that recovery is always the better option. And if you ever have any questions about how to start your recovery journey, or if you'd like me to further support you in your recovery journey, please feel free to shoot me an email. You can contact me at meg-mccabe.com or on Instagram at meg underscore mccabe. I always respond to all of you in my direct messages We can also set up a private one-on-one consultation so I can talk to you in depth about what it's like to work with me as your coach. And finally, if you are looking for a deeper sense of community throughout your eating disorder journey and throughout your recovery process, please check out the Recovery Collective. It is my eating disorder recovery membership community where you can access me pretty much on a weekly basis among so many other amazing recovery professionals and role models where we do everything from cook-alongs to yoga to group coaching and meditations and workshops. It is just fabulous. So you guys know where to find me. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to seeing you all here again next week for another episode of the Full and Thriving Podcast.